I want to ask you a question this morning. We all have most likely attended a funeral, and uh, all of us, uh, most of us have attended even a funeral this week, but have you ever attended a resurrection? Have you ever done that? Join me in turning to John chapter 11 this morning as we look at the raising of Lazarus. And these folks thought that they were going to go to a funeral, and they ended up attending something totally different. I believe this is quite fitting coming on the heels of Resurrection Sunday and the funeral we just had this week. John chapter 11 is a great chapter of faith. Jesus uh, permitted Lazarus to die so that he could establish real faith in the, in the folks that were there attending, as well as his own disciples, as we're going to see here in just a few moments. You found your place there in John chapter 11. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now just in the, in the, in the dialogue and really the way the evangelist John lays out, uh, the apostle John lays out the chronological order of things, it, that actual incident where Mary, she's not Mary Magdalene, but, but another Mary who, who puts that ointment on the feet there, that happens in John chapter 12. So we're going to get to that in a couple weeks here. Verse 3, Therefore his sisters said unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jesus, as we'll see in just a moment, waits for two whole days after he's received this message. These, these men probably have had a couple days' journey just to find Jesus and his disciples, and now Jesus waits for a couple more days. But for what purpose? The purpose is stated right there in verse 4, and that the Son of God might be glorified, that God might get all the glory. Christ is our resurrection life. As we saw a couple weeks ago, that was a glorious day, but it still lives on today because we as believers will one day be resurrected through Jesus Christ. Jesus waited on going to Bethany so that people would know that he has power over death. But I want to propose to you this morning, it wasn't just for those folks that were at the funeral that day. It's for folks sitting right here in this room this morning. Jesus wants you to be assured this morning that he has the power over death, and you will one day, like him, rise again. Father, I thank you for the assurance you give us this morning through your word. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful, that you're true and that you always keep your word, Lord, we can bank on it. Lord, I pray that this morning as we are refreshed of, of maybe an older passage to some of us, Lord, I pray as we look through this, this uh, account of Lazarus being raised from the dead, Lord, would you stir in us a, a heart to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Throughout the book of John, the evangelist does well to give us a bird's-eye view of what it's like to come alongside Jesus. And, and he oftentimes throughout the book of John, he'll say 
uh, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved was laying on his breast. He was right there alongside him. And he'll give us a little bit in this chapter just about what the disciples were thinking as this all was playing out. And here in John 11, it's no different. Let's continue here in verse 5. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. The eyewitness here for us accounts, uh, the, the Apostle John, he notes as he begins John chapter 11, three things that, that are notable about the Savior's character and compassion. And the number one here, that what, I, what I want us to see is Jesus loved. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And you don't love someone that you don't get to know, that you weren't friends with. Earlier in, in Luke, it gives us the account of when he went over to their house and he sat down for a meal with them. And Mary was right there at the feet of Jesus. And where was Martha? Martha was in the kitchen cooking up everything and wanting Mary to come and help her. Well, Jesus was there to spend time with them. And Jesus had friendships and loved people just like you and I do. And he took time to nurture those friendships even with his busy seemingly busy uh, uh, ministry schedule. The, the other thing about Jesus' love is that he understands what's going on. He's just been brought this message of Lazarus, his friend, dying, and he knows what Mary and Martha are going through. He himself is going to die in a couple of years after, after his ministry here, and he knows the feelings of our infirmities. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I think a lot of times we forget that Jesus Christ was human and that he was touched with the infirmities and that he really did care and he really did love and he really did take the time to make friendships in his ministry. And these were some people that Jesus deeply cared about, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The other thing about his love and his sorrow was that it was not a sorrow that was like those that didn't have any hope. Uh, just a few. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, as Paul is talking to the Thessalonians, he says in verse 13, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And we'll see next week, really, as Jesus starts weeping at the tomb, that was not a sorrow of one who didn't have any hope. Jesus knew what he was about to do. And the resurrection life that was inside of Jesus that he was about to impart uh, was an exciting thing that was getting ready to happen. And Jesus here, his love was not, his sorrow for them was not one that, that had no hope. Verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, that he was six, uh, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Next, the Apostle John recounts for us that Jesus waited two more days before going to see his friends. Waiting didn't make human sense at all. When you hear that someone's in the hospital, what do you immediately do? You give them a call or you, if, if they're in the hospital and you're able to contact them, or you go visit them pretty much right away. 
Jesus didn't do that. He waited two days. And waiting didn't make human sense, but it was the will of the Father that he did that. Jesus was all about the will of the Father. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot learned this lesson through her, the death of her husband and those other four men uh, visiting the Aukas to give them the gospel. It wasn't her. She, she didn't see all of those men dying that day. Uh, she, she wanted the gospel to be brought to them. One of the things that she says in, in her book, Shadow of the Almighty, she said, I realize the deepest spiritual lessons are not learned by his letting us have our way in the end, but by his making us wait, bearing us with love and patience until we are able to honestly to pray, to pray what he taught his disciples to pray, thy will be done. And in that moment, that night, as, uh, and really the next day in the afternoon when she was waiting for the call on the radio and, and going through and realizing uh, that call's not coming, it's not coming. And, and she said, well, it was, it was God's will that those men died. And eventually, uh, both her and I believe several other of those women actually went back to the Akas where now... If you were to visit that, that tribe, uh, it, there are many people saved among that tribe. And, and they, they definitely remember the sacrifice that Jim Elliot made. Jesus waiting always has a purpose. Always has a purpose. In verse 11, we'll jump ahead and then we'll, we'll jump back here. But look at verse 11 with me. At his purpose for waiting these extra two days. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. And this here is some of the humor in the Bible that God gives us. These, these guys aren't exactly getting what the Lord is saying here. Um, verse 13, howbeit Jesus spake of the death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, is this a contradiction? Jesus had just said that this is not going to be a sickness unto death, and yet Lazarus dies. It's not a contradiction at all. It's not a contradiction at all. What was the purpose of this? Verse 15, And I am glad for your sakes, I was not there to the intent ye may believe. I'm doing this for the intention that you're going to see the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, who is your life, who should be your life. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, you're, now we're going to go, and now you're going to see it happen. Elizabeth Elliot again says, God never withholds from his child that which his love and wisdom call good. God's refusals are always merciful. Severe mercies, sometimes they're called, but mercies all the same. God never denies us our heart's desire except to give us something better. And Jesus here was about to do something far better than these disciples had ever imagined in their life. They thought... Mary and Martha thought that Jesus coming and healing 
would be the best thing that could ever happen to them. Here, Jesus is going to do something far better in raising their brother from the dead. And Jesus waiting longer, I want us to see lastly here, did not change the end result of Lazarus living. Jesus waiting until he was dead was not a contradiction. He said it's not a sickness unto death, and yet he dies. Many times what we think as the end result of something in our life, according to maybe a promise that we claim from the Lord, and, and, and seemingly there's a final result, is not the end result. Jesus always keeps his promises. That is, that is who he is. So let's jump back to verse 7 and see that final thing that the apostle writes about here. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. Here his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And that's exactly what happened at the end of chapter 10. Jesus escapes from, from the, the Jews once again. And here, seemingly, the Jews are like uh, his disciples. You want to go right back in there where you almost got killed? And Jesus here, we find, is not controlled by the fear of man. He's not, his, his ministry was not controlled by, by the fear of man. Jesus answered, verse 9, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now there's some just common sense. We're gonna, if we're going to travel, let's travel by day, not by night. And Jesus Christ says, we're going we're gonna to go in there, and I'm confident that the Jews are not going to kill me because it's not my time to die. Jesus was confident in the Father's will for him to raise Lazarus because it was not his time to, to give up his life as a sacrifice yet. Secondly, Jesus, while he knew the, the emotion of fear, he was a human. He was not... He, he loved his friends, and, and, and he even loved his enemies who would want to kill him, who he should have, in our minds, been afraid of. Jesus Christ loved those people, and that love casted out fear. Think of Jim Elliot and his love for the Aka Indians. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You can't lose true life if you have Christ as your life. If you, if you have Jesus Christ and he's who you're living for, then your life just bleeds into new life if, if you end up dying. God's not, God's not going to hold back true life from you. Don't, don't, don't worry about preserving this life. You have a resurrection life to, to look forward to. Small, there's a small interlude now that that John gives us in uh, seemingly in verse 16 through 19 as he kind of gives us a glimpse into the thoughts and the minds of the disciples and their journey. Verse 16, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I mean, isn't that just encouraging? <laughs> we're, we're, Jesus, you just came out of Jerusalem there, Judea area, and they wanted to kill you, well, I want to let you know we're going to go die with you too because I think you're going to die. And uh, he's trying to, I don't know who he's saying this to, if he's saying it to his, it says he, unto his fellow disciples. Let's, this, is, this is 
this is the small glimpse that we get of what the conversation was amongst those 12, that they thought they were going to die. And this is why, honestly, throughout Thomas's life, as we see throughout Scripture, he's known as Doubting Thomas, doubting that God can do something greater, doubting that God can protect him and his disciples. It goes, basically, everything that Jesus said in verse 15 about him going to heal Lazarus went in one ear and out the other. I think it's interesting that, that uh, the apostle includes his, his other name, Didymus. Both of his names, Didymus and Thomas, they, they mean twin. And I don't know if Thomas had a twin or anything, but an old preacher once said to me, he said, I don't know if, if Thomas ever had a twin, but if you look in the mirror, you might find him. And honestly, I took that to heart. Sometimes, if we're not careful and we're not trusting Jesus, you might look in the, fear, uh, in the mirror and find Thomas's twin of not, of not trusting Jesus to do what he said he would do. When Jesus puts it out there plainly even, not trusting Jesus to do what he said he would do. So take that for what it's worth. We look at now the, the timing and the length of their journey. Uh, verses 17 and 18, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And that's the, roughly the distance of, of two miles. Each furlong is an eighth of a mile, so that adds up right about to two miles there, or a little bit more. And and if it had taken those messengers a couple days just to get to Jesus, uh, to find him, he had been dead already when they left. So, so it's, now Jesus has waited two more days. And as Jesus arrives, after making a travel of those two miles or a little bit more, Jesus finds that he's already buried. And there's a funeral taking place. It was a Jewish custom for a funeral. It just—it didn't take a day or two days. They would often span a week of, of grieving, and people would come and grieve with the family. And here in verse 19, that, that grieving begins. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And it is here in this setting that the father wants the world to see, and us, I believe, this morning, to see the resurrection power of God. Notice Martha's statement now of faith in verse, as, as Jesus is coming. Verse 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. When Jesus comes, there's hope. When Jesus shows up, there's always hope. And Martha knew that. I want you to notice, really, as we start going through this, this portion of Martha's life, how different it is from the time previous that she had spent with Jesus. Martha was a busybody. She was the one in the kitchen preparing everything. She was not the one that had that one needful thing at the feet of Jesus. And now we see a change has happened in Martha's life. And I don't know, I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us all the different uh, times that they were together, and, but there was a heart thing, that, that there was something in her heart that took place 
that changed her. Verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And she's not saying that in a demeaning way. Uh, the, 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 the passage there does not give that intention at all. She's not saying, Lord, if you would have been here, man, my brother wouldn't have died. No, she's, she's saying, Lord, I have faith that if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive to this day. Verse 22, But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She's not expecting Jesus to do any super awesome miracle for her in raising her brother, as we'll see here in the next few verses. She's not actually expecting that at all. She's thinking that her brother's going to raise one day at the, at the end times when, when, when Christ raises everyone up and all of, all of the bodies are glorified. But here she's saying, God, whatever you ask God to do, I know, Jesus, that you are still in control. I know that. So there's a couple things that here that she very clearly makes, uh, makes known to Jesus. I know if you would have been here, you would have healed him, but I know that you still have everything under control. As a kid going on road trips, uh, maybe to uh, a different state to visit another relative, or just even in Wisconsin, maybe taking a trip to, uh, to see some, some site, I, I was quite the grief to my parents. And uh, I, was, I didn't know if Dad had everything under control. And we were in an old uh, station wagon, uh, you know, with the seats that point out the opposite direction. And so that dates me just a little bit. But we had one of those really old station wagons, and I always loved sitting in that back seat so I could see the cars coming towards us. And uh, I would always ask my dad, as many little kids do, are we there yet? And uh, I didn't know if my dad had everything under control. Here, Martha says, I know you have everything under control. And I think we as children of the king many times grieve our Savior when we don't understand and, 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 and honestly tell him, Lord, I know you have everything under control. Our unbelief causes the Savior to grieve, not just over what's happening, but over us and our unbelief. Here now we see Jesus' declaration of power to Martha. Verse 23, he, he declares his power over death. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Uh, she's not expecting that, but can you imagine what it would be like to hear that? Wait, wait a second. She, I know he's, he's going to rise again. Martha said, uh, saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus wanted to do something greater. <laughs> Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus here I believe, makes two very important statements that we need to get as believers. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He's making a statement here that the believer's death, while you have an unbeliever's life who's swallowed up in death, you have a believer's life 
uh, a believer's death who is swallowed up in life. When we die, that's not the end. It's not, we, we, we don't go to eternal death and punishment like we desperately deserve. We go to be eternally forever with the Lord. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? It has no victory over me anymore because Jesus Christ won the victory. My, my death as a believer will be swallowed up in the life of Jesus Christ. The second thing he says is in verse 26, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There's, there's, and that word literally means there's no interruption. When, when I die with the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, Christ is my life, there is no interruption of life to life. I am going to be immediately lifed into his presence. And now we see Martha's acceptance of that eternal life. He asks her the question, which I pose to you this morning, Believest thou this? Martha says in verse 27, She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. That was her acceptance of Jesus Christ. I don't know if she had, had believed that before, but here it's made very clear that she's believing on Jesus Christ as her source of salvation. I ask you this morning, have you done that? Or are you still trusting an unacceptable payment to pay for your sin? Are you trusting your, your church attendance, your baptism, your, your good works, to get you to heaven. None of those things will pay for that. Jesus Christ is the only way to be lifed into his presence. Jesus Christ is your only hope of eternal life. Christ wants us to realize this morning that he is resurrection life and resurrection power. And Jesus wants you to know that he not only has the power to keep you in this life, he has the power to carry you through the valley of death into, into, into his presence. There's no fear that should be there. And you can trust him with your eternity. His only question to you this morning is, believest thou this? Do you trust him? Do you trust? And do you understand and are you assured of the fact that Christ is your life? Let's pray.